I don't know if you can identify with that. We can be churchgoers for so long, on the right side of things for so long, that we forget what it was like not to be where we are now. In fact, one of my prayers from time to time is, Lord, let me never forget what it was like not to know you. And around us, wherever we live, and we do a lot of living, day after day after day, whether we're in a supermarket or at work or at school or on vacation, driving on the highway, folks around us are the very people that Jesus came for. To see them as he sees them, to pray for them as he would be reaching out to them, and to use us one by one to touch the life of just one other. Well, bow your heads with me and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence, your powerful, personal presence. As we come to you and speak to you, my prayer right now, Lord, is that you would take my lips and speak through them, that you would take our minds and think through them, that you would take our wills and bend them to your own, and that you would take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. Break thou the bread of life, your word to us, dear Lord. Grant that we may take that word and devour it and make it our own. Be nourished by it and directed by it. And we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, as we head into the Festival of Hope, we begin a very short series of sermons on the Great Commission. Those are the closing words of Matthew's Gospel. Sad to say, for so many churches and for so many of us just like ourselves, rather than it being the Great Commission, it becomes for us the Great Omission. Something we just do not do. And that is share our faith with others, whether by example or by word or by invitation, so that they too can catch the flavor of Jesus in our lives. We've put together a series of texts for the reading this morning. For instance, Jesus calling his first disciples as fishermen to come and follow him, and he would make them fishers of men. And when Jesus calls us to himself and makes us his own, he has that in mind for every single one of us. Not just for professional pastors and preachers or musicians, but every single one of us to extend a hand, a word, a look, an invitation to someone else. We have Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 through one sermon, the first sermon of the new age of the Christian gospel, and 3,000 became believers 
they repented of their sins, especially the sin of rejecting Jesus. We're in Jerusalem when we read this text. And Jesus died in Jerusalem. And it was just a few weeks ahead of Pentecost and the Spirit of God coming down on the believers and Peter standing amongst this crowd in Jerusalem and preaching to them concerning Jesus. He said, whom you crucified. And that text begins as we picked up the story. Know this, that we whom preach this Jesus, preach the one whom God has made Lord and Christ. Lord and Messiah. And unflinchingly, the coward Peter, who just a few weeks earlier had denied any relationship to Christ, now in the power of God's presence in his life, is declaring into their faces the Jesus whom they slaughtered, God has made Lord and Messiah, which is what the word Christ means. I want to bring you to the Great Commission, the last verses of Matthew's Gospel, to see these words in the context of what I've just described concerning the other readings. As Peter's preaching in Acts chapter 2, he points to Jesus as Lord as well as Messiah. In the Great Commission, when Jesus came to them, this is verse 18 of Matthew 28. When Jesus came to them, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He goes on to say, Therefore, the basis of the Great Commission, as Jesus extends it and lays it upon us, is not in the first place the needs of the people around us. The Lord knows those needs. He came to die on the cross for those needs. He laid down his life that he might reach the most ordinary and corrupt of us so that we could be forgiven, could be made new and clean to rescue us from hell and save us for heaven. God knows what the story is. Jesus, who's giving the commission, knows why he came, why he was called Jesus, why he died on the cross. He knows all that. But at this point, as he commissions, that is, sends out, and tells them to go and share the gospel and make disciples what he claims is ultimate authority to give that command. All authority, he said. How much authority? All authority. Where? In heaven? Yes. And on earth. Not just amongst the saints, but amongst the sinners, the worldwide earth. All authority, his authority, listen carefully, dear friends, his authority transcends the authority of the President 
of the United States of America. His authority transcends the authority of the United Nations, of whatever other republic and nation and sovereign and parliament and government there is. His authority transcends the authority of the school boards, the local officials of government, and your bosses at work. All authority, said Jesus, has been given to him in heaven and on earth. So, for instance, in the Acts of the Apostles later, when the religious authorities, who were the dominant authorities, certainly under Rome, but for the Jewish people, the authority that they respected, when that authority said to Peter and the disciples, stop preaching about Jesus, do not talk about him, stop it, they said, is it right for us to obey you or obey God? What do you think they could give an answer to as they heard that question? Obviously, you obey God first. Said Jesus, all authority has been given to me. So around the world today, men and women and young people, in the face of oppressive societies that hate the name of Jesus, that reject the Christian faith and reject the word of God, they will not back down. They will not be quiet. They will not be subservient, except to the Lord himself. Because all authority has been given to him. So he goes on then to say, therefore, because of that, because I have all authority, because this is the reality that is focused in me and by which I speak to you, by which I died on the cross and walked from the grave alive and now commission you. He says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And that first word, simply to go, I thought of all kinds of little alliterations, go, to go out, to get off your seat. You can fit all kinds of words with the G-O. Get offensive. Great opportunities. Go. In essence, he is saying, take the initiative and go. You take the initiative. You're not just sitting around waiting for somebody to come and talk to you about it. Or say, what is it about you that makes you so special? Or wait for them to say to you, what would it be like if I came to worship with you? Go implies the initiative taken under the direction of Jesus Christ. So we are bidden, commanded, to take the initiative. The man who first witnessed to me took the initiative. He was shy, he was awkward, he was uncool, 
but he was obedient and he shared the gospel with me. He took the initiative when Jesus commissioned his disciples, that same commissioning devolves upon us. We are now standing in their stead. And he says, go. Go. Take the initiative. Let me tell you about my wife, who is a gentle spirit, very strong core. You hear me describe my wife from time to time. And the Kathy that you know is the same sweet woman that I married. And a woman was pleading with my wife to go visit her son. We had at one time in a church, another church in this city, a program by which we would go and visit the visitors who came to the church. And we would go out in threes and we were trained how to share the faith. And I will name the people. My wife, Kathy, went with Ron Fontanese, who is still around and part of our church, and another lady who herself was a very, very shy woman. And the three of them ended up going and visiting with the son of this woman who was pleading, not a member of our church, but knowing that we went out and visited, said, go and visit my son. And Kathy said, well, we, generally speaking, only visit people who visit the church. Please, she said, visit my son, and gave an address. So on that Monday night, these three, two shy women and Ron Fontanese, he is not shy, these three found that address in Economy Borough. It turned out to be a trailer park. And the evening was an evening like this morning, wet and rainy. And when they found the address, they found themselves driving into a trailer park. The instincts were, say, were saying to them, turn around and go back. They found the address and knocked on the door of the trailer. And the guy came to the door. He was in. And our people didn't know what to say except we're from St. Stephen's Church. To which the guy said, did my mother send you? And they said, yes, she did. He said, well, come on in. He didn't want them in there, but he said, come on, it was raining outside. As they came in, so the woman he was living with exited and went to the back of the trailer. She wanted nothing to do with these visitors from the church. We were trained, no matter what, to share the gospel. Not to go down rabbit trails and discussions about this, that, or the other, but to be sure, amongst all the conversation that is had, the gospel is shared. At the close of, and he didn't want to hear it, he tolerated it, and at the close of it all, they prayed with him and they gave him a New Testament which in those days had a paperback cover called Good News. A Good News New Testament. They gave it to him to read. And they left, feeling it had been a complete failure. Fast forward a couple of years. 
the Jesus movie comes out, and this will date it, there was actually in Ben Avon a movie theater that was showing the movie. And a group of us went from the church to see the movie. And we're standing around outside waiting for the movie theater to open for us to go in. And a chap came up to me, he said, are you John Guest? I think he may have said, are you the Reverend Guest? I said, I am. He said, is your wife around? I said, she is. She's over there. And she was over there with another group. He went over to her. He said, do you remember me? Well, this guy was clean cut, put together, and had a youth group with him. She had no idea who he was. Because the last time she saw him, he was a long-haired hippie in a trailer park with a woman in the back of the trailer. Once he'd identified himself, he went on to tell her that the trailer caught fire soon after their visit and burned down, gone. He said, when I sorted through the rubbish and the rubble, I found the New Testament you gave me, unscorched, unspoiled. And I thought, this is a sign. And I took it and read it. And I asked Jesus to come into my life. And now I'm a youth minister. And he named the church. And these kids are with me coming to see this movie. When you take the initiative, because that's what those folks did. Vi Ratner, Ron Fontanese, Kathy Guest took the initiative. On the say-so of a praying mother, never give up, ladies or men. Praying parents. That fellow came to know Jesus and moved into leadership. Take the initiative. One last thing. Jesus said, go make disciples. Not just converts. Go make disciples. The first step of becoming a disciple is to yield your life to Christ. You can't make a disciple out of somebody who doesn't know Jesus. First step in discipleship is Christ coming into our lives and assuming his rightful place as Lord of our lives. But immediately, as part of that action, because what Peter, when he preached, said, repent and believe, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's talking about an action step that is public, that is visible, that is you identifying with Jesus so that you become his. And 3,000 did. And as a consequence, it goes on to say this, that that 3,000 devoted themselves. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 42 devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Those 3,000, can you imagine, that's twice, more than twice, what we will have worshipping on site here at the four services we will have here this morning. More. In one sermon, can you imagine how busy those disciples were? Can you imagine the fellowship groups? It wasn't like they had a class of 3,000 or a building in the church or met at the temple. 
they were dispersed and met in homes and wherever the disciples gathered in what we call now fellowship groups small groups they devoted themselves to the apostles fellowship that is to being together with the believers and in that context they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching they picked up the truth of the gospel and when it speaks about the breaking of bread that is almost certainly holy communion as we will celebrate it not as we will celebrate it but certainly they were celebrating it in the context presumably of what they called a love feast dining together in the home and consequently they were in prayer talking to god in an ongoing personal relationship and fellowship they were followers the word disciple literally means student they were students of jesus following the leading and teaching of the believers whom they were joined to when they gave themselves to christ and they were devoted is the word not casual attenders devoted so as a consequence when you get to acts chapter 8 and the church is now under persecution those thousands as they were by then were scattered with that persecution and wherever they went they took the gospel of Jesus Christ they had been discipled transformed and now were sharing the very gospel that had transformed their lives immediately virtually immediately as we head into september we're going to have a massive effort across the face of our whole congregation to gather into smaller groups we're going to be studying a book by rick warren what on earth am i here for and we're going to be studying it together both with our preaching it on sunday morning and then discussing it in small groups week by week and we are going to be encouraging you not just to bring someone with you to hear franklin graham and experience the worship that will be there but to be a part of these other sessions just like the early followers of jesus devoting yourselves to the apostles teaching fellowship breaking of bread and prayers for you to be a disciple and we're making it a whole church effort. I know many of you are already in small groups and or in various task forces, groups of people committed to one ministry or another. But for 6 weeks, we are going to be working together as part of a discipling gathering of the believers in smaller entities than we have here in the worship service. and we're going to be encouraging you very strongly to devote yourself to those 6 weeks all authority in heaven and on earth said jesus has been given to me therefore go into the world make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father son and holy spirit and lo i am with you let's bow our heads and pray Lord Jesus we now come to that moment when we remember your dying love for us 
on the cross. And we will come forward as if to the cross and kneel as if at the foot of the cross and give our lives back to you. Let me ask each of you in this service as you come to think about that one person that you would love to bring to hear Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son. Think of that one person. And as you come and kneel before the cross of Christ and hold out your hands to receive the bread, see yourself offering up to God as if you brought them in your hands and lifted them up to him, that one person. Bring that one or two with you to the cross. And as you kneel down, present them to the Lord. Ask him to become their Lord and Savior.